Public relations as a profession falls somewhere on the spectrum between glitz and glamour and words and hard work. And a lot of folks might be wondering, how do I get into a field where communication, storytelling, client services is part of what I do? On this show, we're typically talking from the public relations agency perspective, trying to give insights and strategies to executives and directors of communication on the industry or nonprofit side. And we thought it would be kind of fun to put those two things together and talk about what it is to be a communicator as a career path, whether you're going to work for a PR firm or whether you're going to work for a company or a nonprofit, these skill sets, some of them are timeless, some of them are changing. Here to talk about that is Abby Fink, Vice President and General Manager of HMA Public Relations, the oldest continuously operating PR firm in Arizona. And Abby, that means you've seen a lot of folks come and a lot of folks go. What's on your mind? Well, you know, it's interesting you should ask because I, you know, as I talk about my how my career journey evolved and if I'm honest and say it actually started when I was back in sixth grade when the elementary school that I was going to had taken away our graduation dance. And I didn't think that was very fair. So I staged a picket in front of the school, called the media and did an interview with one of the local television stations. And shortly thereafter, the administration gave our dance back. Now, I wouldn't have called it public relations. If you ask my mother, she would say it was because I was a busybody and, and had to get my, you know, stick my nose where it didn't belong. But if I forward that now and and all these years later, that was advocacy and that was, you know, taking on the side of a, um, you know, of a, a, a principled side that we wanted to make happen. And we stated our point. We created our very valid argument. We took it to the people. And we were successful. And that's really what, you know, public relations at its basic form is about taking a piece of information and sharing it out with your potential audience to get them to, you know, take action. It took me a long time to realize that could be a career and then what I needed to do in order to have that be a career. And um, but I've never looked back once I figured it out to, you know, through college and things that the things that I enjoyed and the things that I like doing, uh, writing and organizing and planning and things were really critical skills in becoming a public relations professional. And after a lot of angst and anxiety over what I was going to do and, and kind of found that I, I learned that the, these things that I enjoyed doing were actually something that I could turn into a career. And back when I was in school and, you know, it was it was a relatively new field by name. Um, there were certainly publicists and, you know, things like that. But this idea that it was a strategic part of a, of a marketing strategy has, is a relatively new concept. And it has evolved tremendously over the years. And in fact, the graduates from, you know, where I went to school, the Walter Cronkite School at Arizona State University and other reputable programs across the country, the the knowledge base now is so dramatically different in, in terms of what's available to them and access to technology and things like that. But what hasn't changed is the basic skill set of taking an idea and putting it out to your community to re, to 
elicit some kind of response or action. We just have different ways of doing that now. You know, it really does seem to me that the skills of the modern day communicator, the the person who can find the the blend between the facts, the fun, the angle, the hook, and put it together in a way that engages the public, the market, sometimes through the media, the traditional newspapers, radio, television, etc., and sometimes through the ever-evolving digital platforms. But that core skill set is a keen understanding of What's the story here? In some ways, it's the same skill set that makes a great journalist. In other words, it's not just about facts and figures. The worst press releases that have ever come across my desk are ones where they're not telling me what's the story. They're just giving me the what, where, who, when, what, how. That's all important stuff, but I need to know what's the hook? Why is this interesting? That's hard to teach, but it is something that can be learned and developed over time. What, what do you think are some of these core fundamental skills and whether someone's working for a PR firm, whether they're a freelancer, whether they're working for a company or nonprofit or government agency or what have you, what's underneath all that? What do they all have in common? Well, and, you know, I think one of the things that that all of us that have chosen communications as a career path, and, and, and when I say that, I think there's a lot of ways that we come into that communications role. But I think there's an in- inherent sense of curiosity we want to learn and we want to investigate and we kind of enjoy digging in a little bit and, and, and finding the story, as you say, about what we're talking about. We have um, this ability to organize and extrapolate what's important and put what isn't to the side and determine how best then to put that back out into the masses. And, and again, we have so many more tools to do that now but the the bottom line is we still have to have a story to be able to tell. And so that part of of the the skill set that this you're right, you really can't teach curiosity. You can embrace it and you can nurture it. But if you don't have it, you can't I can't tell you I need you to be curious about this. You need to have to want to to learn about it. But the you know, the when you if you find that you are someone that enjoys doing those kinds of things, then this career path may be a good place to go. But there's a lot of, you know, the the other things that go into what we do. Um, common sense. There, you know, we have to understand what's happening. We have to be able to be cool under pressure. A lot of what we do, and I'm not talking necessarily about a, you know, a crisis situation, but we have to be able to manage multiple things. You know, a, a day like today where a couple client meetings and then I've got to answer the phone on a couple non-related work things and I've got to be preparing for, you know, the recording of the podcast and what else is happening and my staff is is needing to reach me. And, and so you just have to have this. And I don't do it great every day either. There are plenty of days where I, I'm not at my best. But the but the bottom line is the recognition and the understanding of that. And I think one of the things that makes this type of work so interesting is it's different and you and unique each and every day. I may be working on the same project for a couple of weeks, but every day I'm working on it is something different. And I've been doing this work for for quite a while and I'm still learning something new and I'm still getting to do something different which I, it still fascinates me sometimes when I'm, I'm working on a project. I'm like, this is the first time I've ever had to do this. 
And I've been doing this work for a really long time. How is there still a first that I get to do? And that's to me, one of the reasons that I continue to stay in this and why I love talking to you know, up and coming professionals and what that are, you know, either getting ready to graduate or are newly into the workplace that whether you choose to go into public relations, if you chose to go into the the journalism side or broadcast media, all of those things will, will serve you well. You will, you will be great at what you choose to do with that sense of curiosity and that ability to kind of see to the core of the information and to react appropriately, react well under pressure and find that story that needs to be told. One of the things that I think is so critical for young professionals and uh, seasoned folks alike is a, se- a self-awareness of what your real strengths are and how you can best contribute. And that self-awareness demonstrates itself in your ability to to say no and to turn down work or projects or things that really aren't a fit for you. I think there's a place in this field for generalists and for specialists. We really do need both. And I'd be interested to get your thoughts about this. I'll give you a personal example. I have worked as a journalist. I reported for Newsweek during the invasion of Iraq. I have worked as a press officer, a media spokesperson, whose job it was to communicate on behalf of a nonprofit agency with every media outlet in the world in the biggest news story of that year. Uh, And I have found, and then I went back to work as a strategist and a policy advisor. And that was where I discovered that I had to be honest with myself that I'm a talker, not a writer. And that some of the strategic planning and certainly translating those plans into spreadsheets and log frames and some of the tools we used to use to try to coordinate this stuff was really not my skill set. And I didn't know that until I tried it and found out I was terrible at it. And what I needed to do was be in a talking role. It's kind of why podcasting is such a good fit for me. I'm at home here. Um, Do you think that people today have a sense that it's okay to either go deep into something that they are good at and really just own that? Or are they pulled in a lot of different directions? Do they need to be good at all of them? Like, what are your, what are your thoughts on this generalist versus specialist kind of dichotomy? The simple answer is they're both right. And and it really is about what makes most more sense to you. So, you know, in, in, in an agency environment where I am, you know, I have one, I am one of, you know, four, five, 10 people. We have 20, 30, 40, 50 clients. We are all doing the same work, but we're doing it for different organizations and different approaches. And for some of us, we thrive on that, um, that creativity, that's that the different stuff every single day, that nothing is the same day in and day out. And that that's, that's where we get our energy from. And then there are others that go into the profession that really want to be focused. I am really good at media relations. I'm really good at being a spokesperson. I want someone to hand me my message points and I will tell you what, what we need to be talking about. And there's room for both of those in the world. I think where, where, where you, you mentioned being self-aware, you, you have to recognize where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are, but maybe even more so where you want those strengths to apply. And so you may look at 
you may come out of school or you may be re-careering or you're making a change and you look at a public relations agency like mine and like, oh, that would be great. They have so many different clients and it's a lot of fun and it's this and it's that. And then you come in and you're like, I, I can't. I need more. I need a d- different kind of structure. I need everybody working towards the same goal. I just don't do well. And that someone else might look at that corporate structure and, and have, you know, where there's a 10 person public relations team and everybody's focused on the same thing. Oh my gosh, I, that would be boring. I can't have all of that. And so recognizing where not only what your strengths are in terms of what you're good at, what your skill sets are, but how that applies to the workplace that you're going into. And, and you know, I do a lot of mentoring with with young professionals. I do a lot of conversations with, you know, with the um, journalism students, public relations students at the universities. And, and I tell them to write their own job description before they go out and look for a job, right? What do you need to have in order to make that position the best position that it can be? And think a lot about what not just, you know, now that many of us are in a remote workplace, you can think about where you want your your work to come from. But what does the atmosphere of the office need to look like? What kind of, is it clients that you want to work on? Is it nonprofit? Is it healthcare? Pick, you know, what what drives you? If you graduate and you've got your degree and, you know, you, you've done well in school, you are on an even playing field with everyone else that's getting out of school at the same time. There's really no points of differentiation. What sets you apart is how you apply that to the places that you want to go. And so I would rather you, t- I would rather you write a job description and say, you know what, agency world, not for me. I really see myself as an in-house corporate communications person. Fantastic. Let's find you a place to do that. Or conversely, this, you know, kind of frantic way of working and and the the stuff that's going on day in, day out, that's where I want to be. That's what I want to do. And what, because you will not be successful in no matter how amazing your job skills are, if the environment that you're working in doesn't fit. And it's like you said, you, you're good at communicating, but your, your way of communicating best is in the spoken word and being in front of and and delivering the messages versus the strategic part of it. How do we get there? And there's plenty of people that would rather stay behind the scenes and be the one that puts all that together and then puts forward the spokesperson. And fortunately, then there's room for all of us. There's room for all the types of things that we do in this career. One of the things that I think would be really helpful Again, whether you're a, a young emerging professional, rising professional, or whether you're re-careering, as you said, that's a great word. I, I like that a lot, is to really understand that there is a lot of room to do things that might not be immediately obvious. And there are skills that you're going to have to translate into a, a higher ability or sale ability. Certainly, if you're working as an independent or a freelancer, you're going to have to show clients, prospects that you are capable of delivering whatever it is you say you're going to do. But the best way to discover these things is by doing work. And one of the wonderful things about the world we live in now is that your opportunities to do interesting, creative work, even as a side project for yourself, have never been greater. So you think you might be interested in podcasting? Start a podcast. You can do it tomorrow with your phone. You don't need a bunch of fancy stuff. You will have a better podcast if you have good stuff, but you don't need it to get started. You think you might want to be a writer? Start a blog. It's still relevant in 2021. Start writing on Medium. Start doing all these things. You think you like video and social? Then start creating 
pieces of content on various social platforms and see if you can actually begin to understand what is probably the most essential part of this equation, and that is the relationship between the story or the content and the audience. Because at the end of the day, if they're not connecting, you haven't figured it out yet. You, you got to get better at this. And there really is something to be said for the 10,000 hours or probably the 100,000 hours in some of these cases. You only get good at this by doing it, and you only discover what you're not good at and don't want to do anymore by doing it. So you got to do stuff. Well, and there's plenty of things that, you know, that I have done that I, incredible opportunities, once in a lifetime, some of them have legitimately been once in a lifetime opportunities. They will not come back again, or they were the first, or they were the only. And then there are some things that I do regularly and consistently. And then there are those things that if I never have to do them again, will not be soon enough. And I know that, and I, sometimes I still have to, but I do know that. And, and that again is one of those things that makes what this is so amazing is that there is that. Now I, I was having coffee with a friend the other day um, and he has probably had, I would comfortably say he would say he's had four careers in the last 30 years. I met him. Um, I was a young PR professional. He was a uh, director of marketing at a hotel company. They were a client of ours. And so he was the guy that was in charge of making you want to book meetings at their hotel or their resort. And I was the one helping get the word out. And he was very good at it. Very, very good at it. Very personable, great salesperson, had a fantastic way of getting, you know, the potential client to really envision themselves at the resort. But he got to a point where it's kind of the same thing day in and day out, you know, it's still a hotel and I could go to another hotel, but it's kind of the same thing. So he decided he was going to be a uh, stockbroker. And he went and he studied for all the different licenses that you had to get. And I'm like, God, what a complete departure from, you know, selling hotels to, and he said, but selling hotels or selling stocks and it's sales, it's still the same thing. I have a different product and I have a different delivery, but I still have. And since then he's become a podcaster and he's become a small business owner and he's helped other entrepreneurs. And when, what we were talking about is although he has reinvented or recareered, the skill set each and every time falls back to communications and the comfort level in sharing with others and getting others to take action. He's just doing it through different mediums. And what he said was at, um, you know, almost 60 years old, he sees himself with another two or three careers ahead of him as he just reinvents what he's doing. And I'm like, what a great way to stay true to the things that you like to do, but apply them to other things. And, and putting aside what doesn't work for you anymore and being, and being successful, not based on necessarily the financial part of success, but being able to keep doing what you like to do and creating it in such a way. And again, I think you can create that opportunity, whether you are, you know, mid-career, end of career, or you're just beginning, you can create what your workplace needs to look like. And I really encourage people to do that, that you're going to be spending eight to 10 hours a day in this environment, it better be someplace you want to be. And so even if at the most amazing job offer, you still have to take a step back and see, can you see yourself doing that for that organization, for those clients in that environment? Because if you are, if you can, 
then all the rest of that falls in, in, into place. I like to say that, you know, I could, I would rather make less money and love what I do than make more money and hate what I do. Because there's no fun in spending money that you're making if you're not enjoying how you're making it. And so, and I think that again applies to, I'm not necessarily giving career advice here in the sense, but I think that that answer is the same regardless of where you, you know, you kind of choose to be. And right now, you know, across the country, we are hearing consistently how difficult it is to find good quality employees. And I think it's because a lot of people are taking that step back and really analyzing what they want this next phase to be, you know, what kind of work is meaningful to them and, and, and makes sense for them and their families and, and the restructure of their life that they've done. And I think for those of us that are in the position of employing individuals, we have to recognize that what we were out there offering or how we were creating a job may not be the same and may not work anymore. Again, it's not just about money or benefits. It's really about flexibility and my commitment. Am I doing something that I can be fulfilled about? And can I offer that? And I think we have to ask ourselves those questions as we are putting our job descriptions together. And I think the potential employee who's interviewing has to think the same way. And that is how I think we solve this where all the workers thing is when we both come to it with this idea of what's really important beyond the basics of salary and benefits and two weeks vacation and things like that. There really is a core of creativity, curiosity, and craft that underlies all these things. And I would just say, if you're somebody who likes to write or likes to take pictures or likes to make audio or make videos, the best thing that you can do is just do more of those things. Really give yourself permission to find the fulfillment in the creative process. Um, it, and, and you'll discover things along the way. It, you'll be able to say that you, not only will your tastes develop, but your skills will develop as well. If there's something that you see that you like, you might try to recreate it. You know, as with painting, for example, you might take a watercolor class and you're trying to paint your own watercolor version of some master art and it's fun and maybe you have a glass of wine and good friends and whatever, but in the process, you're doing something creative that's a natural expression for you. When those things come together, when the needs of an employer or a client and your creative self-expression come together, is when you are happy, when you can flourish. And your your craft is the center of that. Don't forget, like there's such a tendency, I think, to talk about some of these skills as commodities, like check the box, like, well, can you write? Can you use Word or PowerPoint? Like it's like, can you use the software? Can you write? Yeah, okay, but like, do you love it? Because if you don't love it, then you shouldn't be hired to do it, even if you're okay at it, because there may be somebody else who's, you know, who's going to fit that role better. Right. I love that idea of, you know, just do more of it. Right. And there's so many places in which to do more. You can do it for yourself. Certainly. Uh, There's plenty of organizations that are open to volunteer photographers and videographers and event planners and whatever other things to sort of determine if those are skills and areas that you want to get better at and eventually become part of your career and, you know, the I, I, 
And I think you can do that at any point along the way. Um, I was I was another conversation earlier this week with someone that is is really taking a different look at what she wants to do. She still wants to be able to use her communication skills and she still wants to be able to use her digital knowledge, but she's not sure she wants to do it in sort of this traditional way. And we didn't come up with an answer yet. I mean, we're, we're still talking about what that could look like, but she also knows that she's at a place right now where she can think about creating something that fits better with what she wants to do. And, you know, we, we have this, again, if I go back to what I said about this, in this sense of curiosity and this willingness to kind of take chances, then let's just take them and see where they, where we go with that. And yes, I recognize we have to make money and we have to have, be able to support our families. And so I'm not trying to be, you know, just let it be, but there are ways to do that and still be, you know, fulfilled and successful and, 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 and not be afraid, you know, to kind of take a risk when you're doing that. And, you know, I, I, I put this out for, you know, for those of us, again, they're in this position of creating positions for individuals and have openings within our, our companies to be open to this idea of something maybe a little bit different, that we aren't stuck in the box of what the person has to be. And that for those that are applying for these positions, don't let my job description dictate what your resume needs to look like. Tell me how what you do fits with what I'm talking about and and kind of force that conversation. So I think some of the best opportunities are the ones that we weren't really thinking about in the first place, the, the, the either by what I think I need or what you bring to the table. We need to figure out if we can make that come together successfully for both of us. And then we can do the rest, all the paperwork stuff to get to that place. Let's end this conversation by talking about that for a minute from the hiring manager's perspective. If you're the executive or the small business owner or the agency president and you're recruiting for a position and you've just heard this conversation where Abby and Adrian are waxing poetic about your craft and creativity and all the rest, still at the end of the day, you're trying to find somebody who can get the job done and meet the requirements and do the work, whether it's again in-house or for a firm or an agency, et cetera. So, how do you, Abby, as a seasoned PR professional working for a well-established firm that has seen a lot of folks come, a lot of folks go, how do you hire these days? Uh, what mindset and what specifics are you looking for? Well, and, and if you would have asked me that question, you know, uh, two years ago, I'd had a very different answer because my my qu- answer then would have been, you know, I placed the the notice in all of the PR trades and I use, you know, LinkedIn and Indeed and all the traditional places. And I look for a, you know, someone with X number of years experience or recent college grad, you know, whatever. Now, those are all still important. But I think the difference today is the the. I need to look outside of the norm to create a, a different kind of work environment. So if my if I am pigeonholing myself into these specific individuals, then I will get a very good qualified individual from that specific line of um, requirements. But I might be missing out on some other things I hadn't thought about. So the way that we do, you know, some of the things that we do haven't changed. We still put our notices out and those types of things, but we're looking at what might be non-traditional communications channels. So let's, for example, say an attorney, you know, someone that goes into law, sense of curiosity, ability to write, understands how to make an argument, 
is comfortable speaking in front of the public, right? A courtroom or clients, transferable skills, just because their degree happened to be in law versus journalism doesn't mean they wouldn't be good in my work environment. Uh, someone that, again, might be recareering and has management skills and organizational skills and and may not call what they did special event management, but maybe that's exactly what they did in their other position. So it's on us to think differently about what that job description looks like and allow those outside of the norm to be able to feel comfortable about applying and seeing themselves working within our environment. I just realized as you were talking, I have a really great personal example of exactly this, which is rare because my temperament and experience, I haven't worked in a lot of traditional organizational environments. But 16 years ago, uh, when I was working for one of the largest humanitarian relief agencies in the world and was the field-based spokesperson in Darfur, the height of the Darfur crisis, 2004, 2005, I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I was struggling with all of the emotional impact of that crisis. And I decided I needed to, to leave this job and go back to the United States. And I had had a great relationship with the country director. And so she came to me one day and said, Adrian, we've got like 16 resumes. We're trying to replace you. Would you look them over for us? And I looked through the whole pile of resumes. And I'm not an HR person. I would be the last person that you would ask to make any actual decision about this. But she was looking for my input. You've been doing this work for 14 months. You helped create this role you know, can you give us some insight? And I went through the whole stack of resumes and one of them jumped out and I pulled that one out and I said, this is the only person in this whole pile that I think we should talk to. And it was a young woman in her mid twenties who had no humanitarian relief experience. She had never worked for a nonprofit. She had no war zone or conflict related experience, but she had been writing for the Lonely Planet, which is a guide for backpackers and scrappy solo travelers. And she had written Lonely Planet stuff from Pakistan and other places. And I said, this is the person you should talk to. So what do you mean? Like, she doesn't know humanitarian work. She's not one of us. She's not an aid worker. She doesn't understand our, you know, ethics and value. Like, there's a lot of specific bodies of knowledge you need to know. And I said, that's fine. All that stuff is easy to learn. This is the person who has gone alone into a strange place and found her way around and written about it. That's the person to talk to. They ended up hiring her because she was great, not because I recommended her, but because she was awesome. And she really flourished. She was amazing in the role. And she went on to be the emergencies director for one of the biggest UN agencies in the world 10 years later. So it was the non-traditional, non-obvious thing that made her a great candidate for that job. And then someone who was willing to give her a chance. And that wasn't me, that was the country director. And she's shown in that role and has gone on to do great things. It's, it's an exact, what you're exactly talking about. Sometimes what you're looking for isn't in the job description, but you need to be aware of that. And that she was comfortable enough in her skill set that she could, she could see herself doing that job and submitted herself for consideration. And, and again, this, you know, I, I need to kind of take my own advice in this conversation, right? Because I, I will find myself slip, you know, it, it, the simpler path is the path that I know that has worked and worked well, and it may be where we end up, but the, what we are doing today and how the workplace exists and the skills that we need and what our clients are asking us to do. And I think what the clients are also looking from within their own organizations is 
forcing us to think a little bit differently. And again, there are, there are basics that all of us need. You know, we, we need to make a living. We need to be able to support ourselves and our families. We need a roof over our head. You know, those are all those things that inherently come with needing a job and what that job does for you. But if we want to look at career or life's calling or something that, you know, kind of it's, that is a benefit of having this other thing. Um, I think we get a better sense of what we can do and, and, and enjoy in it a little bit differently. And I think we work harder and we're more committed when it's, when there's, when those other things are there. And so as you know, and I'm, I've been having lots of conversations with my colleagues again around the country as we're all trying to figure out, you know, how do we hire, who do they, who are we looking for? What does it need to be? And we're not, you know, we don't have the the final answer as we're all kind of evolving, but, but the, the consistency in it is that we just need to be thinking a little bit differently about how we do that. And I think I can, I think I understand that in a, in a different way now, but I know that my clients are asking us to think differently as well about how we do what we do because they're in a different space as well. And so this all sort of feels like it all goes together. And I, it's, it's not unique to our industry. I, and I don't think it's unique to the size of business that we are. I think a, you know, an entrepreneur that's ready to make their first hire is probably thinking, I need to hire somebody that's just like me. Well, maybe no, maybe you need somebody that is exactly opposite of you. And large corporations with hundreds of employees are going to just stick everybody on the same track or do we need to think differently about it? So it's going to be interesting. And and you know what, we should probably make a note to ourselves, you know, in a few months as we continue these kind of conversations to see, you know, what it looks like at that point and, and what's evolved, you know, the, the world, you know, as we continue to um, live in the, in with the changes that are happening and access to things and how we're doing things, I, I just suspect that the workplace continues to evolve and, smart businesses, smart business owners will evolve with it and continue to, you know, see and experience the success that they hoped when they started their business in the first place would be coming down the pike. 